Back when creating an oil slick was a righteous small craft storm tactic. Illegality may not be the main reason storm oil isn't a thing anymore. While writing a story recently about a harbor plagued by petroleum spills, I was reminded of being a kid and reading about mariners using oil to help survive offshore storms. It was the 1960s, so the magazine might have been yachting before it transmogrified into the sop to millionaires it is today. Storm oil, they called it, and it could be deployed upwind in a container attached, for example, to a sea anchor, where it slowly released its contents. Like nutmeg on butternut squash, storm oil was effective even when applied in tiny amounts. The technique has been used since biblical times. As recreational boating was trending upward in the last century, boating magazines were launched to serve the new market, and one service to readers was to pass along wisdom of professional mariners. One early account of storm oil appeared in an issue of motor boating, a magazine known for its stunning cover art. This heavy weather edition of the June 1912 magazine credited the the Phoenicians with first use of storm oil. Sailors from this ancient Middle Eastern nation had observed that, quote, after passing through the wake of whales, oil exuding from their bodies left a perfectly calm spot, presumably referring to the bodies of the whales, not the sailors. The following bits of wisdom were contributed to motorboating by E.A. Crawford of Newark, New Jersey. As soon as the oil spreads on the surface of the water, it places a film over it, which effectually prevents the waves from combing and breaking. Of course, it has no effect on the swell. Three bags should be sufficient for a boat as they may be constructed in any manner desired. Although the usual shape is cylindrical, about six inches in diameter, of two or more thicknesses of heavy canvas. Stuff with oakum and punch full of holes at least a quarter of an inch in diameter to allow the oil to leak out, which is easily done with a marlin spike. These holes also admit water so it can facilitate the oil leakage and make it more uniform. Saturate the oakum with lard oil if obtainable, as experiments tend to favor it over all others. Still, most any oil will serve in an emergency, although mineral oil, having little fatty matter, will not produce as good result as vegetable oil while lard oil being composed entirely of fat is most effective. If riding to a sea anchor, bend them to the cable so it will be several fathoms ahead of the boat. Running before the wind, tow one from each bow using enough line on them so they will always be in the water. At anchor, make one fast to the cable several lengths ahead of the boat, allowing sufficient line so it will float freely. The final reference to storm oil that I could find in motorboating was a 1978 story about a 70-foot sailing vessel lying a hull. She was apparently surfing down massive waves and outrunning the slick until her crew began towing warps to slow the boat down enough to enjoy the effects of the oil. Benjamin Franklin. There he goes again. Research any topic long enough and sooner or later Benjamin Franklin is going to pop up. It wasn't enough that he invented lightning rods swim fins and bifocals that he was first to chart the Gulf Stream, but it was Franklin that first confirmed scientifically the efficacy of storm oil. Sailing to England in the 1860s 
Franklin observed that the greasy galley discharge from a nearby ship smoothed its wake. After arriving, he conducted experiments at a British lake, which he summarized in a report on, quote, stilling the waves, writing, not more than a teaspoonful produced an instant calm over a space several yards square, which spread amazingly, and it extended itself gradually till it reached the lee side, making that quarter of the pond, perhaps half an acre, as smooth as looking glass. The Federal Water Pollution Control Act was enacted in 1948, but rewritten in 1972 and amended twice since. For boaters, one result was a placard which we are all required to display on vessels 26 feet and over with an enclosed engine compartment about the discharge of oil being prohibited. But what if a vessel is outside U.S. waters entirely? Todd Lochner, an admiralty lawyer in Annapolis, was asked whether restrictions on releasing oil follow us into international waters, which is where we are most likely to ride out a storm. Here's what he said. The short version is that there are laws which are applicable to both U.S. territorial waters and, generally speaking, there are laws which follow the flag state of the vessel. And let's not forget there are certain treaties which will apply, particularly if the flag state is a signatory as well. As usual, clear as mud with a lawyer response that I need more information and a factual scenario, etc., etc. As late as 1991, Chapman piloting and seamanship and small boat handling was still informing readers of the benefits of oil in the storm, but with a disclaimer about its dubious legality. In 1999, the first edition of Surviving the Storm, Coastal and Offshore Tactics by Steve and Linda Dashu only mentioned storm oil a few times in passing. No matter, I think. If given a choice between adding a couple of quarts of Rotella tea to the Atlantic and death by drowning, most of us would probably choose the former. The law and political correctness may be why none of our written authorities are touting oil as a solution nowadays. But the real reason for its disuse is this. We now have tools to avoid being caught in storms, which did not exist before the 1990s, let alone 1912. Better forecasts. Ocean crossers like the Dashus are a rare breed. Many of us haven't done anything riskier than an overnighter. Most offshore passages are limited in duration to four, maybe five or six days. Think I-65, the route from New England to the Caribbean via Bermuda. Weather forecasting for a four-day window is actually pretty damn accurate nowadays. And since the new millennium, the electronic means for receiving such forecasts have proliferated, the latest and greatest being Starlink. We're not getting surprised like we used to. Think of it this way. The conditions for using storm oil and a sea anchor are pretty much the same, yet the sea anchor has become like a vestigial tail. Many of us still carry one, but most of us who do have never used it. If you've deployed a sea anchor in actual storm conditions, please share your story with us. Do you think oil would have helped?